Welcome to the Indisposable Podcast, produced by Upstream and supported this season by Patagonia. I'm your host, Brooking Gatewood. Thanks for joining for another episode celebrating solutions to plastic pollution. Welcome back, everybody. Today, we are really excited to have Mike Shade, who is one of the great masterminds of social change work in America. He has led campaigns resulting in the phase-out of toxic chemicals like PVC plastic, phthalates, BPA, dioxin, flame retardants, methylene chloride. You may not know what all of those are, but you should be thankful that you no longer have them in your homes and in your food. So Mike currently spearheads the Mind the Store campaign for Safer Chemicals Healthy Families Coalition. This group pressures retailers to take more leadership on getting toxic chemicals off the shelves and develop systemic safer chemicals policies. He's also worked as the Market Campaigns Coordinator with the Center for Health, Environment, and Justice as a Regional Director of Citizens Environmental Coalition, and he's been listed as one of the most influential people in business ethics by Ethisphere Magazine. And he's also received a number of awards for his campaigning work on PVC. So we are very grateful to get the chance to talk with Mike today. Mike, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. How did this topic get into your heart? What has you giving so much of your time and life energy to working on this issue? Yeah, that's a really good question. I grew up in Long Island here outside of New York City. And growing up in the 1980s, my whole life as a kid, my parents would take me to the beach. We would go to Jones Beach, uh, just about every weekend in the summer, we go on vacations to Ocean City, Maryland. And, you know, I remember growing up as a kid reading the newspaper Newsday, and there were many troubling stories in the mid to late 80s about garbage, particularly medical waste, washing ashore on Jones Beach, and people literally walking through trash, even in some cases stepping on medical syringes, and just the idea of the, the so-called garbage that we throw out making its way into the ocean and coming back onto the beaches really got me, I think, made me socially and environmentally aware as a kid and got me interested more and more in environmental and public health issues. And years later, I went to college up in Buffalo. And, you know, I got really inspired and interested to work on toxics because it's a really interesting intersection between environmental health and sustainability and public health, but also corporate power and justice, seeing the ways in which corporations were harming communities, workers all across the world. And I was particularly interested and inspired by the story of Lois Gibbs and the residents and families of Love Canal, who not too far from where I went to school in Buffalo, Love Canal was a working class community that had a school and uh, hundreds of homes built next to 20,000 tons of toxic waste. And when Lois Gibbs, a 27-year-old housewife at the time, found out about it because one of her kids uh, was going to the school and getting sick, she started going door to door and realized that it wasn't just her kids getting sick, but others in the neighborhood as well. And she organized her neighbors and they formed the community organization. And after about two years of campaigning, they got the government to close down the school, relocate the entire community, and also create the federal Superfund program, the program that cleans up toxic waste sites. So I think going to college and learning about that story and hearing you know, about how just an ordinary person like Lois Gibbs could can make such incredible change, not only locally, but at the national level through her strategic activism and organizing really inspired me and 
Western New York, I used to always think was kind of like the kind of like the cancer alley of New York State in that where Western New York, the Buffalo area was home to many industrial chemical facilities, super fun sites, brownfields, landfills. So I think a mix of all of that together got me really interested and excited to work on toxics issues from a environmental, public health, and corporate social responsibility perspective. I've been working on toxics and environmental health issues and challenges um, pretty much since I graduated college, since uh, early 2000s. Yeah, and you've had some really significant wins in your time doing this work, which I I imagine the experience is a a lot of hard work and an occasional big reward. (laughs) Is that right? Lots and lots of hard work. But yeah, we've uh, we've had a string of... uh, well, not a string, many, many major victories in recent years to drive retailers to reduce and eliminate dangerous chemicals. You know, the, the challenges that we face are enormous, but it's great to see uh, the progress that we've been making to change the purchasing policies and practices of huge, you know, multinational, multi-billion corporations. To me, always incredible and inspiring to see the power that we as activists and consumers have to hold big corporations accountable and change their, their policies and practices, which can, you know, really have global impacts given especially the the nature of our global economy, if we can change what a company like Walmart or an Amazon or a Home Depot sells, that oftentimes can lead to major environmental and public health improvements, not just for consumers, but for workers and communities up and down global supply chains from here in New York to, uh, to Asia. So tell us about the Takeout Toxics report and also some of the exciting developments that have happened after the launch of the report. Yeah, you know, like Upstream, we're very interested and concerned about materials and chemicals that are used in packaging. And um, in recent years, there's been growing amount of evidence that toxic chemicals of concern called PFAS chemicals are commonly found in different types of food packaging. And that's a concern because these PFAS chemicals are incredibly harmful to public health and the environment. Uh, They can leach out of packaging and they can actually get into food that they contain as well as uh, people and the larger environment. And, uh, you know, these are really nasty chemicals that have been linked to cancer, liver damage, uh, immune suppression. So clearly they have no place in food packaging and food contact materials. So we conducted an investigation to find out where these chemicals may be hiding in food packaging. And to our surprise, we found nearly two-thirds, surprisingly, of paper takeout containers, like those that we often see in self-serve salad and hot bars, were likely treated with these chemicals. And I say likely treated because we found elevated levels of fluorine in these paper takeout containers. We also found it in other types of food contact materials, like bakery and deli papers, a bakery bag or sandwich wrapper. We also found that those types of materials were also likely treated with these unnecessary dangerous chemicals. And what's the impact of fluorine on on human health? Yeah, so we uh, we screen for fluorine because it's a good indicator of whether or not packaging may contain these chemicals. There are literally thousands of PFAS chemicals out there, and it's impossible to test for all of them. So when we find elevated levels of fluorine, that indicates that these chemicals are likely treated with PFAS. It's a useful screening methodology, and you know this has been a methodology that has been verified by scientists around the world, and it's a pretty affordable way to screen for these nasty chemicals in food packaging. So essentially, we uh, we collected 
literally dozens of samples of food packaging and food contract materials from five major retailers, including Kroger, Albertsons, Ahol Delhaize, Whole Foods, and Trader Joe's. And we sent them to a university laboratory. You know, to our surprise, most of the takeout containers were found to be likely traded with PFAS. And uh, interestingly, we found a higher percentage of these types of products likely treated with PFAS at Whole Foods Market. Hmm. And the good news is that in response to the report, in conjunction the day that we released the report, Whole Foods became the first major U.S. retailer to pledge action. The day we published the report, Whole Foods announced that they uh, have removed all prepared foods and bakery packaging that we found in our investigation and removed those types of food packaging and food contact materials. They remove all of those products out of all their stores, which is significant because they use um, massive amounts of these types of materials in their stores. Yeah, and the uh, salad so bar is, and the all the hot food containers and that sort ab- of thing. Absolutely. And, you know, we think this is important in part because, sadly, And ironically, we found that some of the materials that were more likely to contain these chemicals were those materials that were uh, compostable. And that's a concern because these chemicals can migrate out of the packaging, make their way into compost, and then contaminate compost streams. And also, eventually, compost is used for soil and for gardening or or on farms. It can also, chemicals can make their way uh, back into the food supply. So we think that this is a significant step in the right direction, and we we give Whole Foods kudos for taking this initial action, although at the same time, it falls short of a full ban of all PFAS containing food contact materials at Whole Foods. Mm -hmm. Uh, These chemicals are likely hiding in other products and packaging that are in their stores. So we hope that a company will take the next step and make a public commitment to ban PFAS in all food contact materials, and at the same time, ensure that the the substitutes are safe. The company has not been as transparent as uh, we would like them to be about what alternative materials that they've switched to and also how they're verifying that the new materials are free of PFAS and safer. But despite that, you know, we think that this is a step in the right direction. And similarly, Trader Joe's also pledged action in response to our report Trader Joe's disclosed that they're uh, now asking their vendors to avoid the use of these chemicals in the packaging for their products. So we're pleased that since our report has been published in December, two major grocery chains have pledged action. And obviously, this is not just a problem for any one grocery store. It's a it's an industry wide problem. You know, and we're now calling on other major grocery chains, companies like Kroger, Albertsons and Safeway and the other stores that they own. And other grocery stores like Ahol Delhaize, who owns chains like Food Lion and Stop and Chop, we're hoping these other grocery chains will also step up. And, you know, especially at a time when the federal government is failing to protect consumers from dangerous chemicals like PFAS, we think that major grocery chains, as well as states, state governments need to step up to protect consumers and communities from these unnecessary dangerous chemicals. That's amazing. You know, I, I have to say, How do you get them to respond? Especially Whole Foods responded the day of. Did you guys send them an advanced report or were you working with media? I know you also had a Bloomberg story that came out, which probably created a lot of pressure. What do you think really made the difference in them taking action so quickly? Yeah. 
That's a really good question. You know, it wasn't an accident that they pledged action the day, uh, both, both companies pledged action the day that a report came out. We shared our findings with all five retailers in advance of our report. Mm-hmm. You know, for one, because we wanted to be transparent about what we were doing and what we were finding. But also, too, to give those companies an opportunity to investigate where these chemicals could be hiding in their supply chain and urging them to take action. So we you know, had organized both one-on-one meetings with multiple grocery chains. We also organized a webinar for grocery chains to share our findings and recommendations in advance of our release. We also had postponed the release of a report by about a month to give companies a little bit more time to look into the issue. Mm. And by giving those companies more time and briefing them in advance, that led to these two major grocery chains announce these new commitments to address these dangerous chemicals in food packaging. And and this is important because these are chemicals that are really harmful to children and public health. And, you know, again, at a time when the federal government is failing to protect consumers, you know, we think that big retailers can play an important role in safeguarding public health. And it's not only the right thing to do from an environmental and public health perspective, but there's also a strong business case to act because we're beginning to see cities and states stepping up to regulate these chemicals. This past year, both the city of San Francisco and the state of Washington have enacted bans on these chemicals and food packaging. So there's also an opportunity for companies like these to get out in front of the regulatory curve and safeguard their bottom line and at the same time meet the rising consumer demand for mm-hmm. safe and healthy food packaging. And if Whole Foods took you up on your request to ban all of such packaging in the store, would that mean that they would need to work with all the companies that have PFAS materials in their products and either ban them from being on the shelves or, or inspire yeah. them to change? Yeah, you know, for the most part, if you go to a store like a Whole Foods, most of the packaging and food contact materials are not products that they directly manufacture or have control over. Some cases, these are their own private label, private brand mm-hmm. products or materials. But for the most part, they rely on their partnerships with major suppliers to ensure that packaging materials don't contain chemicals of concern. And so, so far, Whole Foods has really leaned on those suppliers that we found packaging that, that was likely contaminated with these nasty chemicals, and they've so far have essentially said to those suppliers that the, they're no longer going to sell or use those materials in their stores. But again, chances are it's really just a tip of the toxic iceberg, and you can bet that there's other suppliers, not only in their stores, but other major grocery chains where these chemicals are also hiding. So we're calling on major retailers like Whole Foods, Trader Joe's, and others to take the next step and ban all PFAS chemicals and all food contact materials. And our report definitely can help point companies in the direction of where these chemicals are more likely to be found. Because for some materials, we we did find these chemicals. In other cases, to our surprise, we didn't find them in certain uses. So our report, as well as reports published by other NGOs in recent years, can help companies understand where these chemicals are likely to be found. And certainly, takeout containers, including compostable takeout containers, are an important place for, for companies to begin. Because we found 63% of takeout containers, particularly the paper takeout containers we sampled, were likely treated with PFAS. And it's an interesting example of the intersection between, you know, the circular economy and efforts to mm-hmm. phase out the use of single-use plastics and toxics, because as we've seen 
some companies move away from certain types of single-use plastics like polystyrene, which is good. At the same time, we have seen companies move towards compostable and paper takeout materials that have these nasty PFAS chemicals, which are really harmful to public health and the environment. These are chemicals that can persist in the environment literally for thousands of years. And so we think it's important that as NGOs and governments and corporate decision makers are thinking about the circular economy, we need to think about it holistically so we're not trading one environmental problem for a public health problem. Yeah, a A lot of people don't realize that compostable containers are problematic in their own right. So your report is definitely some helpful helpful food for thought, so to speak. And, And, you know, for those listening that are concerned, if you've been at the Whole Foods salad bar a lot, you know, that's a added incentive to bring your own reusable glass or metal containers if you don't want to worry about uh, what is lining your food packaging. Absolutely. So yeah, and uh, I encourage folks to go visit our website at saferchemicals.org. You can learn more about our report. And also for those of you that are thinking about what you can do as a consumer or as an advocate, we definitely encourage you to reach out to your legislators, urge them to enact similar legislation as we've seen in the city of San Francisco and state of Washington. And also reach out to the grocery store that you shop at and ask them whether or not they have a policy to to address toxic PFAS chemicals in food contact materials. Because as citizens and consumers, we have incredible power to drive dangerous chemicals like these out of consumer products and food packaging. So I know you guys have been recently working on some coordinated bans on paint strippers. Tell us a little bit about that campaign and how you've managed to get some of the successes from those big corporations that you've had there. Yeah, so we, Safer Chemicals Healthy Families, we launched the Mind the Store campaign five years ago to challenge leading retailers to get tough on toxic chemicals and use their power and influence to drive hazardous chemicals out of commerce. Last year, under new law that Congress enacted and President Obama signed only a few months before he left office, this new law gave EPA the the authority to regulate dangerous chemicals in everyday consumer products. And for the first time in a generation, it really gave EPA the power to protect consumers, workers, and families from toxic chemicals like chemicals like phthalates and flame retardants and asbestos. So under the new law, in the waiting days of the Obama administration, the EPA announced that they were proposing to ban two chemicals, methylene chloride, and uh, NMP. These are uh, really nasty chemicals. NMP is a reproductive toxicant. It can cause miscarriages and other effects in pregnant women and young children. Uh, Methylene chloride is a carcinogen. These chemicals are used in paint stripper products, products that you use to remove paint, say, from the wall or floor or old furniture in your home. And in the case of methylene chloride, it literally can be deadly. It's killed over 60 people in America since uh, 1980, both consumers and workers. Many workers which, of course, are oftentimes, they may not be individuals of color, they may not speak English as their first language, so it's a big uh, worker justice and environmental justice issue. So anyways, under the new chemical safety law, EPA proposed banning both chemicals because of the dangers they pose, and since EPA proposed that ban, they've essentially kept it on the shelf. It hasn't really gone anywhere, and since EPA proposed the ban, at least four consumers or workers have been killed from using these products containing methylene chloride. 
Most recently, uh, a young man by the name of Joshua Ackmans, who is a 31-year-old guy who lived in Pennsylvania with his mom at the time, and he was refinishing the paint on his bike, and he was removing the paint on his BMX bike, and sadly, his mom came home from work and found him uh, literally just dead in their home from using this product. So these are really, really nasty chemicals. If there were ever chemicals to ban, these are certainly among those we should really be paying attention to. So we, uh, recognizing that EPA may not move quickly enough, we launched a campaign to challenge retailers to phase out and ban the sale of these products. This past year, we launched this campaign and we decided to initially focus on Lowe's because we had sent Lowe's a letter and we said, hey, we think you should move on this issue. And we included a list of products that they sell containing methylene chloride. And one of the very products that we warned Lowe's about killed one of their customers about six or seven months later after we had written to them. And we were contacted by this young man's brother, who is obviously outraged and his family was distraught. And when we were contacted by the family and recognizing that EPA wasn't doing anything and the retailers like Lowe's and Home Depot seemed to be dragging their feet, we launched a big public campaign challenging Lowe's and other retailers to phase out the sale of these products. And over the course of the past year, we've generated hundreds of thousands of online petitions to the retailers. We've engaged investors. In the case of Lowe's, we organize activists to pass out leaflets and pick it outside of their stores in a dozen states and had a social media and online campaign. And as a result of that work, just a couple of days before Lowe's shareholder meeting this May, when we were actually planning on going to the shareholder meeting and presenting the petitions and having some of these families speak at the shareholder meeting and confronting the CEO, uh, Lowe's committed just two or three days before the meeting to phase out and ban the sale of paint strippers containing both of these chemicals, which is a huge win for us, especially because they committed to not only do that here in the U.S., but other countries like Canada, Mexico, literally pulling these deadly products from thousands of store shelves. And since then, over the past four months or so, we've we've won similar commitments from other major retailers, including the Home Depot, Sherwin-Williams, Walmart, in Canada, a retailer by the name of Canadian Tire, and uh, a couple of other companies whose policies should be public soon. And so through the campaign, we've been successful in pushing retailers to commit to removing these dangerous products from over 25,000 store shelves worldwide. You know, I think illustrates the power of leveraging big corporations to drive transformative change in their supply chain. And if since the EPA was dragging their feet, we decided to really leverage the power of these big retailers to change. And, you know, that's a fundamental philosophy behind our campaign. We think that retailers have the power to drive dangerous chemicals out of the products and packaging that they use and sell. You guys are kind of like the Robin Hood where the the APA is not playing the sheriff role appropriately. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. I mean, you know, we've run this campaign for a number of years and we we absolutely believe in the necessity of government regulation, but sadly under this administration, we're we're not seeing a lot of leadership under the Trump EPA and we think we can make a lot more change at the local level, at the state level, and then at the national level through corporate or market campaigns and and we think that retailers are really really powerful point of intervention for driving change because retailers are at the front lines of consumer discontent when it comes to product safety. And, you know, retailers are hearing from their customers that they care about this stuff. So we think we're really working to harness the power of their customers to drive change that they sell and drive dangerous chemicals out of products and ensure that retailers substitute them with safer alternatives. Yeah, I mean, the unfortunate reality is a lot of these companies, they have a lot of different incentives. A lot of people assume that the government is 
is taking care of us uh, on these issues. But as you said, there's there's unfortunately a lot of cases where things aren't either aren't moving fast enough or we don't always know how harmful chemicals are until it's too late, right? Well, I you know, every time I talk to you, Mike, I feel this mix of outrage and total inspiration. <laughs> and I imagine it's something similar for you. So, you know, right. I, I know I'm so grateful that you guys are doing the work you're doing to, to bring these issues into the public and, and to make meaningful change to pressure both companies and policymakers. You know, one of the things that I'm always interested to talk to leaders like you that do this work day in, day out is how, how do you keep yourself positive and uh, optimistic and just sort of sane and balanced doing this work where you're constantly facing these, these uphill battles with, with the toxics issue. Yeah, no, that's a really good question. I mean, you know, for me, I try to keep my eyes on the prize and, you know, look back at the successes that our movement has achieved. It was, it wasn't really that long ago that we didn't here in the United States have things like the clean air act or the clean water act or the Superfund program. And, so I like to look back and think about all the successes that our larger environmental and public health movement and the environmental health movement has achieved over the past 30 to 50 years, because the wins we've we've had are really incredible. And, and I also like to think back for our campaign, the success we've had just over the past five years to get phthalates out of vinyl flooring and flame retardants out of furniture and methylene chloride out of paint strippers. And the, the wins that we've achieved have been incredible. I mean, when we launched the campaign five years ago, none of these big retailers we were campaigning around had robust safer chemical policies. And since we launched the campaign five years ago, almost all of the 10 retailers that we started with the campaign around, almost all of them now have chemical policies in place. Now, some of them are better than others, but I, I like to stay motivated by just thinking about the wins and su- successes that we've achieved. And sure, the, the challenges that we faced are incredibly mind-boggling and depressing, but I, I like to keep myself energized and positive by thinking about the power that we have to hold big corporations and, and government decision makers accountable because I think history is on our side. And I think that when we come together and organize and campaign together, we have incredible power to beat, to beat the corporate polluters. And I think we continue to build out campaigns that connect you know, the local organizing to the city and state policy fights, to the national policy fights, to the national corporate and market campaigns. And I think when we integrate our efforts together, I think that we really can achieve a, per- a perfect universe of or a perfect storm of synergy that can really drive transformative change in our society. Well, I think we'll stop here, Mike, but I could talk to you for hours and hours. I always love the chance to get to pick your brain a little bit. Thank you so much for sharing with us, for taking the time amid your, I know, very busy schedule. We really appreciate it. Any other closing comments or website reminders you'd like to offer to people? Yeah, no, definitely um, take a minute. Folks, check out the new report we just put out on PFAS chemicals, perfluorinated chemicals in food packaging. I think there's a lot of interesting intersections between the work in the zero waste world and the work that groups are doing to address the, the threat of the global plastics industry because I think there's some really powerful synergies between that work and the work that we're doing to drive toxic chemicals out of plastics and other consumer products and global supply chains. So thanks again, and uh, thanks for all the work that Upstream does to uh, promote a healthier future. So thank you. All right. Thanks so much, Mike. And that's our show. If you like what you're hearing, help spread the word. Subscribe to the Indisposable Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Add a review, talk us up, try our five-friend challenge. 
Share some highlights from today's show with a handful of people in your life who could use an uplift. Nobody spreads a message like you. The Indisposable Podcast is brought to you by Upstream, sparking innovative solutions to plastic pollution, envisioning a world without it, and empowering businesses, communities, and individuals to imagine and co-create this future with us. You can find resources mentioned on today's episode, as well as learn more about Upstream's work at www.upstreamsolutions.org. Follow us on social, support us on Patreon, and join the movement. There's a better way than throwaway.